0: I was young, I was in my 20s and I thought everything was effectively going to be easy life moving forward and um, overnight everything changed and and that was just a reality of that period of time.
1: This is a guy that will serve C-suite executives, high net worth individuals, high net worth CEOs, really stressful jobs like poker players, athletes but literally some of the highest performers on earth who are really trying to fine tune their craft and their mindset, this is the person you want to bring on.
0: Someone who owns business, they keep making the same amount of money every year. That doesn't make sense. But if you keep finding that, oh, every time I get to this stage, I make a bad investment, probably something's going on in your subconscious mind. None of us can see our blind spots. And if someone tells you, hey, I'm the finished product, I don't need anyone to help me. If someone is saying, I don't need help anymore, I I question if they're still still evolving.
1: This is really cool today. So this is someone that selfishly, I like want to have on the show for me because I have so many issues that I need to work (laughs) through. And there's nobody better to bring on the show than someone like Elliot Rowe. So Elliot is one of the best mindset and performance coaches in the world, quite literally. This is a guy that will serve C-suite executives, Uh, high net worth individuals, high net worth CEOs, um, really stressful jobs like poker players where there's a lot of, you know, that stuff that where you really need to have someone in your mind, Elliot's the kind of guy you want to bring on athletes, but literally some of the highest performers on earth who are really trying to fine tune their craft and their mindset this is the person you want to bring on so it's going to be really cool to dive in today to the mindset of one of the best that's out there in the marketplace i met elliot in um, in utah from a dear friend of mine dan fleischman that connected us and it was like magic the second i met him i know he'd always be in my life and um he actually challenged me to go into a dark room and uh and (laughs) strip my mind down i didn't take him up on it at the time but i definitely will so this will be an insight into really what elliot does and how you can benefit from it but elliot one of the places we always try to steer you to start the show as we extract gold is really the lows of your life. Uh, it's so easy to talk about the highs, what you do, your craft, and I know we'll get there quickly, but if you could just start from the place of the Elliot we don't see today and then let's, as we quickly build up, I'd love to just pull the gold nuggets out along the way, but uh, who was Elliot Rowe before the Elliot Rowe we see before today?
0: This? Um, well, I think, I think probably the, the toughest time I had was the two thousand and eight market crash, property crash. Mm. So in a previous life, before I was involved in, in the performance work that I do, um, I was a sales director for an investment property company. And, um, in 2008, that didn't go too well. (laughs) So, um, so went through a, you know, being very successful, feeling very successful, and then um, effectively, you know, overnight as the market crashed, effectively losing everything, you know, the business shut down, um, the whole industry disappeared um, right. for a period of time. Um, and then, you know, looking to move on from there. So that was definitely one of those moments of you think you've made it. I was young. I was in my 20s and I thought everything was effectively going to be easy life moving forward. And um, overnight, everything changed. And, and that was just a reality of that period of time.
1: Yeah, some of the best people I know will describe the darkest years of their life, like quite literally, oh um, markets go in cycles. And that was a really bad one, it was an eye opener. But a lot of people, the scar tissue that got them where they're at today, so many of the best people I know, they, they, they credit it to that 2008 crash. Um, and it, you know it's it's funny because I think we're in another market cycle. Who knows where this ends? I was just at a yeah. political event, and it does not look good out there. A very grim forecast for the reality of these chickens that are going to come home to roost, especially after what happened over the last five years. But that being said, I think mindset's going to be more important now than probably ever as we sort of look into in the future of the unknown, where now pandemics like pop up, and um, this is tough stuff. Obviously, so your work's really important to try to steer people into a place that. Um, where they can perform optimally in all domains of their life. It's not about money. I always feel like money is the byproduct of just a series of good actions and a lot of passion and, and just performing at high levels with a craft that you love, that's a byproduct of it. But um, how did you get into mindset work? Because that's what we know you from today. And uh, yeah, so, what was the link?
0: Well, I mean, so after the, um, the property crash, I moved into renewable energy. Um, so I was sourcing solar energy farms, building out solar energy farms, wind farms. And uh, over this period of time, through my childhood, I'd had a severe fear of flying. Um, so I was scared of flying, wouldn't fly long haul, turned down free trips to America with friends and things because mm. honestly, I wouldn't sit on a plane that long. It, it was, it impacted my life pretty substantially. I went to a hypnotherapist and she revol- resolved it in an hour. Hmm. Um, this was over this period of time and um, effectively um, she took me through this guided meditation, got really relaxed. Um, and she's talking about different memories that came up that linked to the feeling I would have of flying. And yeah. initially it was like turbulence on planes, you know, that made sense, brought me back to this really early memory of seeing a small Plane, a photo of a small plane at my granddad's house, and being told it had crashed and killed one of his business partners. Oh wow! Um, what was interesting? She then worked through it. We worked through the memory. Sort of, you know, it was a child's logic. If that means planes are dangerous, worked yeah, through it. Sure. Felt differently about flying afterwards. Wow! But it wasn't a conscious memory. And I spoke to my parents, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know that happened," and I didn't. Mm. So it felt like magic to me. Um, And I could fly and not be scared which was life-changing for me. I now live in America I genuinely wouldn't live in America if I still had the same fear of flying for sure So I was doing that and then I was like I want to learn this so in the background, um, whilst I was working, I went and, and started getting qualified um in this work thinking it would be a hobby and it would be like a cool skill set to, hey, one of my friends or family, they're struggling with something, I can be like, Oh, this is fun, I'll fix you. Yeah. You know, that was that was my <laughs> sure. <laughs> what, that's what I thought this was gonna be is like a fun side hobby and an interesting, you know, thing to do. Um and then, you know, I started working with friends and family and it started working and when things go well, people recommend their friends mm. and they ask to work with you and it just started building and building and um, I, I started working with some poker players and... Um, and, and they started making an awful lot more money. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I mean now it's, it's quite extreme. My clients in poker, it's actually over $200 million they've made now. All of the major tournaments my clients have won. Um, it, it went extraordinarily well. Um, and because of that, I was introduced to other high performers in other areas, CEOs of companies, Wall Street traders, uh, professional athletes, Olympians. Um, I've worked with a number of UFC champions, um, professional boxers, you know, it just effectively everything came from this, this natural word of mouth of like, hey, my performance is changing. Um, You should work with Elliot. And over the last, I think, 13 years now, this has just been building momentum. Uh, And it's all come from from just really a fear of flying, which is quite ironic.
2: What, uh, Elliot, what, since you work so deeply with the unconscious, and Mm. I would imagine a lot of your clients haven't read about the unconscious or know very little about hypnotherapy, what are a couple of the most striking things to your clientele about the nature of the mind that kind of blows them away?
0: Um, I I think the, the key point is that all of the things that people define themselves as with weaknesses, typically they're learned hmm so any self-sabotage From parents? fear parents failure fear of success a lot of the time it's parents sometimes uh-huh. it's teachers sometimes it's bullying like it can be different things sure. that trigger this um but effectively your subconscious is there to protect you like that's its job and if you have a roof over your head if you have food i mean ideally if you've got a mate as well um your subconscious is like we're doing a good job we don't need to push any further yeah. more is dangerous right. Hmm. right so it caps it caps you yeah because it's doing its job it's keeping you safe change is dangerous staying the same isn't dangerous if You're having all your basic needs met sure um, and the work I'm doing is helping people understand where this cap got put on hmm. uh, you know and if we're talking financially for some people that's $50,000 for some it's a hundred thousand for some it's five million ten million whatever it might be but a lot of people have a place where they're safe reaching and and then they'll just bring themselves back down to that level over and over again. Yeah. You'll see some businesses, you know, someone who owns a business, they keep making the same amount of money every year. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Hmm. Your business should be growing. 100%. But if you keep finding that hey, it's coming back to the same level, it's coming back to the same level. Oh, every time I get to this stage, I make a bad investment. Probably something's going on in your subconscious mind.
1: Yeah. We I hear um, constantly about people being stuck. So this Hmm. idea of being stuck, is that really fear that's holding them in place? It's a a
0: protection mechanism. So uh, really the way I view this is as we evolved, um, it was very useful to pick up fears from your parents quickly. So you're in the jungle, there's a tiger, your mom starts screaming, you're now scared of tigers, that that keeps you alive, right? So, and also, um, you know, rejection from the tribe, Meant death yeah. when we're a tribal culture. So, you know, if you're kicked out of the tribe, you went into the forest, you died, right. right? So it's very important that you don't upset people and you're not judged too harshly. Can, so so these are things that, you know, are picked up, but in the modern world, they're not useful. Um, but they were incredibly useful for 100,000 years. You, um, it's just in the modern world, they're not, not
2: do so useful. Do you find, Elliot, that I see this, at least this is my observation, a lot of people mm. that are actually quite. Monetarily successful, some of the drive is also like an unconscious protection mechanism. Have you, have you worked with the flip of clients that, um, earn a great deal, but they're anxious or restless? Could you speak to that?
0: So, so a lot of the time I'm working with people through this, this whole cycle. Um, so they'll come to me and they'll be looking to make an amount of money that they believe will fix their problems, Hmm. right? It doesn't. So And sometimes they'll get extraordinarily wealthy. Um, you know, I've, I've had people you know, make over $100 million working with me previously in, in different industries and things. Um, and it doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. Um, and then we have to look into the real problems behind it. But there is certainly this, hey, I'll be good enough when. Sure. And they have a number. But what I've noticed is when they hit the number, typically the people who believe that, they just increase the number. And then they increase the number Yeah. and then they increase the number and they're chasing something that's, that's not attainable. Yeah. I mean, We describe it in, in some of the courses we run and things is there is no happy ever after. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a journey. And when someone thinks, Hey, if I get an Olympic medal, then I'll be happy. It's just not true. You're happy for the day. You might be happy for a week. Yeah. Um, but then it's what's next. And anything that we set as an external goal It can be fun and it can be a great story, but really it's the journey there and the learning and the evolution, the growth of you as a person, and then you mentoring people afterwards. Yeah, the give back that actually the give back is is that actually yeah. where I find people get most out of everything.
1: It's it, this is tough because you see me smiling. I'm just smiling right now. I love this conversation. And there's so many different rabbit holes we can go down, snake holes that we can slither for hours in. We got a hard hour with Elliot. We may have to do two versions of this. Part two coming up next. I'm already yeah. saying it early on because you spark so many questions in my mind that I think would be really interesting to the audience but I love studying the, the high performers and, and the craft uh, and really where the talent like meets its ma- its match at some level in 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 football, like everyone's so good. The differences are nano differences that are the separators between the greats of all time and just good athletes. They all kind of look the same. They perform the same. They play at such high levels. So you know there's these difference makers. But let me bring it back to a practical question I think uh, pertains to this a little bit. But from your line of work, so many people out there are looking for the next breakthrough. They want. They have big dreams. They want to become financially free. Um, what is the difference maker? Like when you stu- when you really study the nature of, of, your, your top performers, even though they're flawed when they probably come to you and there's a lot of holes you expose, what's one common thing that you must have to be successful? Like one identifying mark that if you don't have it, you're probably not going to do anything worthwhile in this life. You're going to be stuck forever chasing your tail. Let's start with a baseline of what just, what, what a good solid guy looks like that comes to you. Cause most likely at your, at your price point, the demand that's around you, you're already dealing with high achievers. So what is a requirement for that type of person before they even meet you?
0: So, so there obviously there isn't the one thing that fixes everything. So just, for just sure. as a starting point, there are some themes. Um, so one is a growth rather than a fixed mindset past a certain level is just needed. Okay. Um, yeah. So you need to have a growth mindset. You can get successful, but you can't get to the top in the world with a fixed mindset. I just haven't seen it happen. Um, decisive action. Is incredibly important, yeah, and I see that with high performers. So they fire the member of staff they have to fire. They ask for the investment when it's uncomfortable. Um, yeah. You know, they make the sales call. Cool. Um, they, you know, it's that decisive. It's the uncomfortable thing that some people stall on. Yeah, yeah. they're they're happy to pull that trigger. That's um, scheduling, making making everything fit again is um, something I see in the high performers. Nearly all of them look after themselves. What about this? It is very rare that I see an unhealthy, unfit high performer, which is like, extraordinarily rare. I, sorry,
1: sorry, Eric. No, I'm squeezing thoughts as they come, because this is so good. I'm trying to get all these dragons on the table for, for before they disappear, but I see this often in people that I look up to the most, is they, they leverage their pain from their past. They have a deep, dark dragon that they're fighting in their soul. Now, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it's these, these deep embedded chips on their shoulder that they fully leverage throughout their life. They walk into fear oftentimes because the pain of not doing it from that deep seated thing that either they're, I don't know if they're running from it or they're chasing it. Chasing. For me, I describe it as like, it's almost like something I, I can't quite get where I'm going. And, and there's something chasing me, I can't quite get away from it. It's this place between like my, I don't know if my fears, that I'm running from my fears and I'm chasing my dreams, but I'm stuck in that and in what it's done for me personally, it's kept me in a, in a forward state of momentum constantly, but it does leave me very little peace because I'm always in a state of oh, what's, and, um, and I'm trying now at this point so in my life to grapple with that.
0: So again, I think that's one of the drivers that gets you to a certain level. But in most cases, overcoming that is where we see like another exponential. Performance. Oh, yeah. It's amazing because there's a yeah. burnout that happens with that. Yeah. So yes, yes, it can motivate you. It can push you past the baseline. It can get you to high achieving. Um, but there's a, the energy burn means it's unlikely you're going to be yeah. literally the number one in the world. Sure. If you, if you're being driven just purely by fear um, yeah. Yeah. because, because the energy burn is, is just too high. Um, so, so, I mean, there are a number of these types of factors, but one of the key exercises that I ask my clients to do, which you know, anyone can do here just listening to this, is create a list of what the top performer in your industry does, like a really comprehensive list, hmm. right? Spend 15, 20 minutes building out this list of, hey, the number one guy or the number one guys, like the, the people who are at the very top, What's the list of things I see them doing? And you build out this long list in front of you and then you go through it and you put a ticker across next to the stuff you're doing, right? And then we know that this isn't an informational issue. This is a mindset issue if you're not doing those things because you already know what to do and you're not doing it. Yeah, do- right. You, you, That's good. Right? This That's is really something good.
2: I caught. You said it brilliantly. So I used to work as a psychotherapist and now I'm an mm. executive life business coach. And you said something that really caught my ear, which is, I can't remember how you phrase it, but basically pay attention to your life and look at the things you're not doing that you know you ought to be. And you repetitively have this cycle and that's exactly where you ought to apply the hypnotherapy approach. Can you speak more to that?
0: Yeah, so, so we create this list. So you've now got a list and there's ticks and crosses next to it, right? Some of these things there's gonna be an emotional response to. So it's like, hey, this guy who's at the top of the industry, he does his social media every day. How do I feel about doing social media every day? Okay, it makes me feel physically sick inside. It makes me feel tense, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Okay, that's an emotional issue. This isn't strategy, you know you should be doing it. Where is that emotional, physical sensation coming from? And that's where I'll do the deep work with someone to understand the root cause of that issue so that we can reframe and work through it. So the thing they know they should be doing, they're now capable of doing with no resistance. Amazing. And it's this cycle of refining and refining and refining. And someone who's at the beginning of their career, someone who's struggling, they might have a huge list, but my real expertise is taking someone who's already in the top 10 in the world, top 50 in the world, working out the gaps From someone who's top 10 to number one Hmm. and doing that final piece of work. So I don't take people from 20% to 50%. I'm working with people who are at 97%, but 98% means they win the medal. It's like logarithm. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's like this very small fine tuning with extreme high performers because the 1%, the difference in the 1%, um, when it's top 10 in the world to number one in the world, the money is like 10x big. Yes, right. it's so all of the money, yeah. yeah, all of the money is in that very top end of Amazing. performance, whether that's in stock trading, professional gambling, poker, professional athletes, even CEOs, the way your company performs. You know, we get multiples um, on an exit. Um, your company doesn't have to do that much better for you to make an extraordinary large amount on your exit. Yeah, like it's 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 all sort of amplified.
1: One thing, one thing I'm noticing, I've I've gotten near some really high performers. Just this week, I was around some of the most famous politicians in the world, uh, quite literally, that from some of the most famous families in the world. And as I get near these people, I can't help but like size up to them. Like, do you know, I just can't. Like, it's always been in my mind. Like, I maybe it's a bigger question. Like, why if you don't think number one in the world, like, is there something? That is flawed in you. Like, why wouldn't you want to be number one? I always challenge people with that thought first and foremost, but I naturally do it. And, and it's just an instinct in me to like to really like really study the people. And I love it. It like it's a passion, right? It's almost a game, and I have fun with it. But I notice a lot of these people that, that may be number one in something. And then I get near them. I'm oftentimes I'm not that impressed. Like you can see the lack of discipline in many other domains of their life, but yeah, they may be number one in one avenue of their life. And to me, that's a failure. Like if, if my physical body doesn't represent my mindset, I failed. I want that to be sharp, tight, like showing discipline at all areas of my life. And so often you'll see one person that literally could crush you with the power that they have, but they may be lacking here, here and here. So this this search for me for a real balance between the domains of my life being the number one, it really everything is really important for me. It doesn't seem to be as important for people that are really focusing in on one topic. And I, and I sort of recognize the—the the, the, it comes down to one thing. These people have mastered leverage. They have power. And they understand leverage, and it may be one of the big differences between people that are truly successful at their craft, is they've mastered that, but not, not in most cases have they mastered many of the other domains that I think may be more, even more important in some cases than just the financial wins in life.
0: So, so a couple of the things that you mentioned there. One... Um, as I say, I, I typically take people to to success and then we're working on the other areas. Right. The health, the family, the relationships, all of those things bring genuinely more more happiness I agree. Than, yeah. than just the money does totally. once you get past the center stage. But another thing you mentioned was, hey, Elliot, these powerful people from powerful families, um, that doesn't mean someone's a high performer. No. In a lot of those situations, they were gifted that opportunity. Um, I wouldn't match myself up against people who've been, Who've inherited for sure. success and power? That 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 doesn't seem like a rational person to be questioned. You know that they're living a different life. They're in a different reality. It's it's not really relevant. If you're looking for the people to to sort of emulate, I would say it's those who've managed to grow through adversity and have managed to to reach the top of their domain yes. um, without being gifted. I totally agree. Um, so so that that would be one, one key part there. And uh, from what you said at the beginning of that statement, hey, I match myself against these high performers, you should, yeah. I mean, I, obviously I'm extremely biased. I work with high performers in different areas. If you're in anything, it doesn't make sense to not try and be number one because all of the rewards are number one. I mean, mm. one of the examples I give of this is like, <laughs> some people like baking cakes, right? If you're the best cake baker in the world, you can be really rich baking cakes. If literally you, you make the best wedding cake in the world, you're gonna be very wealthy mm. making those wedding cakes. 99% of people who bake cakes probably make 15 bucks an hour. And then there's probably one person, yeah. you know, it's $50,000 for the best wedding cake in the world. Right? Do you know what I mean? It's all of the rewards are at the top. So I think you should always be, it, it's just rational, To push yourself and usually the gaps very small it's the little bit extra the difference between the person at number 10 and number one it's not like it's a dramatic difference in work it's it's just a better use of their time it's doing the harder thing it's It's the thing you don't quite want to do as you say it's the leverage but I would always say hey who's in my industry Mm -hmm. who's the top of the industry what what can i do to make sure i'm as close to the top of that as i can possibly be you know obviously sometimes sports you know i'm never going to be in the nba it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter it. how hard i try i'm yeah. not going to be but in, if you're in your industry and you you've, you've got some capacity to reach the top sure. i would say you sh- you should be looking to do that
1: it always surprises me how many people i come around that want more out of life but they they they'll never see themselves up here as the best at what they do and right there i think it's a flaw because i really like as i study these people i realize like it's happened up here long before it's manufactured here and the fact of the matter is if you don't see it it won't happen and so many people I don't think it's that they have big dreams that they don't achieve. I think it's that they have small dreams that they achieve and the satisfaction around that is what gets them stuck in this comfort bubble. And, and again, like connecting your, what you do and your craft to sort of the reality of the mindsets of the people at the top, they think big, do they not? Do they see the end all the way to the end to number one in the world long, long, long before it happens?
0: Yeah, I, I think you have to be able to visualize yourself um, as a success. You have to see that you can be competitive, and as you say, when you meet these people, you know I meet a large amount of successful people, as you can imagine. Um, you know, it is a, it is a, hey, what are they doing that I'm not? Is there something I can shift? Is there something I can change? Is there somewhere I can fine tune? Um, but certainly that, that idea of the end goal, like in my case, you know, coming into high performance coaching, um, relatively early on. I was looking at this and saying, okay, well what would it take for me to be working with the Olympic medalists, right. with the champions in sports? What would it take for me to be working with um, you know, CEOs of of multinational companies? Um, that was as soon as I was taking this as a profession, they were the goals for it. I don't I didn't want to be working with the local executive. Like it didn't make sense to me for that to be my goal. I wanted to be international. I wanted to be working with the most powerful people in the world because then I can have the biggest impact and help the most people.
1: Like it's just, everything's leveraged. You're jacking me up, well. bro. You're jacking like, me up. It's, what, it's, <laughs> it's,
2: it's just reality. I'm getting you pumped. Know? Elliot, What? Uh, <laughs> you have such a understated kind of uh, relaxed temperament, like a real mm. at easeness, which is attractive. Um, it's uh, it's it stands out, actually, if you in terms of people we interview in terms of there's kind of a groundedness in your being. What is success to you? you? You started to allude to it. You started to answer the question that came to my mind. But I'm curious for the mindset performance coach who looks at the totality of people's lives. What is success for Elliot Rowe, not only professionally, but even in your I'm curious about your family, your interests.
0: So, so success for me is a fully balanced life where I'm impacting as many people as possible through, through leveraged work. Um, so, you know, we, I'm like, I have two nine-year-old, you know, nine-year-old twins. We live in the mountains in Utah. We have a pretty balanced life. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I'm very happy on the family side. Um, then it's health and fitness. Um, I take that relatively seriously, you know, work out, five days a week, do all of the self-care stuff. You know, I was in a sauna and a cold plunge six o'clock this morning, right. you know, all of the, all of those bits and pieces. But then for me, it's the, professionally, it's, it's now less about like, hey, I'm trying to hit a certain number. That's not really that relevant. I'm in a fortunate situation where I, I don't need to hit big, big numbers. We're very comfortable, um, but I want the stories. Hmm. So for me, it's taking on the client who, when we get the result, I'm a part of a bigger story and I can see an impact that I'm having. I mean, it might be a professional sport, but it might be impacting a nation. It might be, you know, I've worked with people like, you know, sending satellites into space, like all sorts of interesting things. And um, yeah. for me, it's it's my career is now building interesting stories, yeah. so that when I'm 80 and I'm looking back, I can be like, "Hey, I helped this person do this, this person do this, this person." You know, I was working with the Olympic flag carrier this year for the Winter Amazing. Olympics. You know, just like yeah. story after story that's after cool. story, and it's just it's just really fun. Yeah. For me.
1: So and I think so that's
0: success now. Like, you know, yeah, like it's the money, that. there's
1: always a byproduct of chasing the real why or the real story, and that should become the dominant theme in someone's life is they should be really after the impact, the marks they're going to leave on the world. And when you think about big marks, like really influential big marks that matter, that actually help change the world. Now you're thinking at a scale that forces you to think best in class, like quite literally number one in the world should be a dominating theme in your life when you're considering uh, uh, that you're going to possibly make the biggest impacts in the world. Money's always a byproduct of that type of thinking. Uh, so many people, I think, put money first, and 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 it's just a, f- a big flaw in life. Eric, I'll, I'll be honest. I think this is the big
0: lesson for me with 2008 and then the, the sort of renewable energy investment work. In honesty, I never had a big passion for property. I, mm. I quite liked the fact I was doing good stuff with renewable energy, but I didn't have a passion for it. I was in those industries because they, they were good money. I could make good money like in those industries like that was that was what i was looking for right Um, good point i then moved into performance work thinking it would have no money in it but i was moving to my passion and i was thinking ah you know maybe i'll do okay but this is so fun i'm gonna do it anyway yeah um and then doing the thing that was my passion and was helping people as you say when you start to have that impact it's impossible to not be rewarded for it this this reminds me of a gem
2: you dropped on one of your social media accounts which is you know, sticking with something long-term is impossible if it's not deep part of your identity and your vision, right? Yeah, and your soul. You, it, was just a, it was a nugget you dropped, and it's so true. Like, people are so self-aggressive with themselves because they can't consistently keep with something. That's so true. And uh, speak more to that. I mean, you demonstrate it in your own life.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things where it needs to be a part of you. <laughs> You, you need to see me. So, so I am, if you meet me, I am a mindset and performance coach. Like yeah. that, that is, that is, that is who I am in life. Yeah. That is how I come across. This is what yeah. I like talking about more than anything else. It, it is, it is what I do. It is who I yep. am. If I win the lottery next week, I will still see all of my clients next week. Yeah. And nothing will change. Me too, I get it. I'll still, I'll still do it. All of the same things will happen if I have infinite wealth because I'm doing the thing I want to be doing. If, you, if you're if you going to work and you're like, I want to win the lottery so I can quit my job, <laughs> that's you're never going to reach yeah. the, t- the highest levels of that because it's a different level of passion. You, you're not doing it because it's innately you. You're doing it to pay your bills. Yep. Um, and I, I think it's very difficult to become very high-end at something yeah. if if you're not doing it out of passion.
1: Every person in the world right now who would hear this statement will a thousand percent resonate with it, that when you're doing what you love, like when you dream about it and you wake up teeming with energy, like there's no such thing as weekends. Like I, like, do you know what I mean? Like I'm always connected to my work. I'm always thinking about how to plus it, how to, how to pour heart and soul even every day into this, whether like, it doesn't even matter what the circumstances around that are. It's and it's part of your DNA. It, it, it's it's like uh, it's almost like the meaning of life for the for the person. Yeah. like yeah. it gives you a sense of real purpose and clarity around it. But I find that the people that that have the most impact in the world, they are in love with their craft. They're obsessed with it. They're literally like. Um, Oh man, it's it's a really cool thing to be around cuz it's contagious. When you're around someone that loves what they do, oftentimes it makes you it's a mirror to you and it makes you reflect. You can have such a profound effect on people just by doing what you love and showing up every day like and pouring your heart into it. You wonder like why people work tirelessly for their craft. It's because their heart Whores out yeah. for and, it, beats and, for and it, and it's
0: because it's not really working. It's a bit not, like the seven no. of the weekend. It's like, hey, will I talk to my clients the weekend? Of course, I will. Yeah, it's interesting talking to my clients. Yeah, like you know, I mean, it's yeah, a, there's no nine the to day five. of the week's not relevant. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: was just talking with a, a coach friend of mine, and I'm working on mm-hmm. this book, and it and speaking to this, I'm going to selfishly ask a coach to coach question to you, yeah. but um, he we were talking. I'm re- working on this book, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking about. I'm having an artist do illustrations for it. And I'm like, what, Mm -hmm. what could I have him draw? And I'm looking all around my office, like images, paintings, things that are like you say, it's totally who I am. And one of the things that I most love to talk about are spiritual matters, like spiritual matters. Like what is God to someone? How does their faith inspire their life? Whatever their particular denomination. Uh, So I want to selfishly ask a question of you that because it's, it's, to me, one of the most powerful domains of life and one of the most, for me, I, like, want to know it about someone more than I want to know about their money, let's say. So for you, how would you characterize your spiritual life? Like, like what are you and why are you here? So,
0: I, I mean, I think I'm here to help others. So, so that's, that's what I feel is the purpose, is to leave the world in a better place than when you showed up like to feel like you've had an impact and 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 you've you've helped other people live a better life. So so that's what i believe from that side. From a religious perspective, i i don't have a fixed religion. I'm spiritual, not religious. Yeah. So i believe in a sort of a universal everything. I believe in say a, a i i guess a universal consciousness. Yeah. Um but I, I don't adhere to any particular specific religion.
2: Sure. Do you uh do you have your own meditation or prayer practice attached to that do you meditate so or?
0: so every day so well five days a week i i start the day with a sauna as i described yeah. and i use that as my meditation time so i find that a really useful yeah. um yeah meditating really in useful process amazing meditate in the sauna yeah. do that for about 30 minutes um go and do a cold plunge shock my body yeah ready for work yeah so so that's that's my personal meditation practice around this i follow the
1: same thing i I blend like the the physical pain with the higher self the powers that are great much greater than me and i attach that right to god itself um i want to go back to something that i think is going to continue to serve the audience and get a little deeper into it which is this Mm. idea of fear um, you you take people through a unique process. You were going to do it on me in Utah. We just didn't have the, 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 the time to do it there. But uh, where you were going to strip my mind down and really figure out what are the things that may be truly holding me back. Uh, that's kind of the best way I would describe it in one sentence, I suppose. But I do think fear is one of the things that every single person has. And it creates limitations, most likely, in their lives that, that are fake. They're not real, but but yet they still trap people. Those fears are illogical in most cases. Walk us through the process of how you strip the mind down to grapple with that fear and then overcome it. Because I think this could be really profound for so many people.
0: So, so if we go back to that list of the things that make you uncomfortable, so the list of, Hey, the best in the world does this. I don't want to do the social media. I don't want to do the public speaking, whatever it might be. Sure. Um, so we, we have a starting point. We know that someone's holding themselves back. Um, they know what they should be doing, but they're not capable of doing it, right? So that's our starting point. So we know it's not a lack of knowledge. It's an emotion that's getting in the way, right? We then, with the hypnotherapy, with the hypnosis, um, you go through a guided meditation process. There's no magic to this. It's not like a stage show. Yeah. This is just guided meditation. The client becomes very relaxed, and then their subconscious becomes dominant. So we're, we're using guided imagery to make the subconscious dominant over the conscious mind. And then I'll be saying, how does it feel when you think about posting on social media? And they'll say, I feel sick, I feel tension, I feel so uncomfortable in my body. Or how do I feel with public speaking? I feel this anxiety when I get on stage, yeah. I feel this tension in my chest. Excellent. I'm gonna count you back from five to one to another time you felt like that, five, four, three, two, one, what's the next memory you think of? And the next memory and the next memory. And it brings up this mm. list of memories that explain the issue. And oftentimes it goes back to childhood, it goes back to being bullied, it goes back to feeling unloved by a parent. It goes back to a teacher saying, you'll never amount to anything, you're a stupid kid in class, whatever it might be. And it's the child taking on whatever information as truth and effectively creating a defense mechanism around that. So, hey, me speaking in class, I got mocked by the other kids and the teacher, Hey, it's dangerous for me to speak my truth, yeah. right? Yeah. We then reframe those memories. So the child saw this as life and death. Um, the adult you looking back can see that this is just a teacher doing their job poorly. Yeah. So we bring love to the memory. We bring an adult rationality to the memory and we effectively overwrite the memory memory is malleable it changes every time we go back to it and we're effectively taking something from a keystone core memory of like adrenaline fight or flight to show that child love give them a hug tell them we're okay what advice would you give that younger you how would you help them through it how could things be different and then the trigger is no longer there in the same way so when you go on stage The five-year-old you who'd been mocked at school by the other kids, that's not firing. It's not saying, hey, you're in danger, you're in danger, you're in danger. Um, The the trigger isn't there any longer. And there's always a trigger if there's a physical response. Otherwise, the subconscious wouldn't be making the physical response. So it always comes from somewhere. Otherwise, it just wouldn't be there. We've just got to find out what the trigger is and then reframe it correctly so that it's not firing in the same way. And that's a very basic version of the process that I'm running.
1: Is it true in all all fears? like you know, I'll give you an example in me. I got a lot of issues, obviously, but um, I never had a fear of death per se. I always thought death was so far away in my life when I was a kid, and then I started losing some people that had profound effects in my life, and how it affected me was really kind of unique it 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 started bringing me to my own deathbed. It literally like it fast forwarded almost like it's happening right now. I could imagine myself in the last moments and the last breaths of my life and it really haunted me. My wife would look at me and say, what's wrong with you? Like I'm laying in bed at night, oftentimes at night, like thinking about those last moments. And it was the the pain of losing people I love so much really brought mortality as a fast forwarding thing in my life and put a lot of pressure on me. I naturally have always got to find solutions for problems in my life, but I, I didn't seek out professional help. I come up with my own solutions. And what I came to the conclusion of is it actually, actually became, I think a superpower mind that I would leverage death into every situation it would get me to jump instead of not jumping. I now jump. Cause I'm going to die soon. Like, It actually became such a fast forward mover in my life that I actually now kind of teach this as part of my ability to be present right here, right now, pour your heart out, not give a fuck what people think. Like just even in how I say that, I can say that with this authority that I don't care because I'm gonna die. Like that may be wrong, I don't know, but somehow it silenced the fear of death just enough and it's created a lot of momentum in my life. Now I'm doing very brash things. I'm, I'm far less concerned people think. I'm stepping in a lot. I'm on stage now because I am so aware that my mortality is close that if I ever am I going to make a mark, I better do it now. But it doesn't mean I handled it the right way per se. Uh, I don't know. But at the end of the day, that was really a profound fear that came up in my life. It, I don't think it was somewhere that started from an early childhood because I never thought about it. And now it dominates this conversation. Like when I talk to you, I'm very aware of something that's beneath the surface. And that's what, that means I'm going to give you everything I have. And it sort of strips out the things that don't matter. And it leaves only the things that matter in my life. So I think I've leveraged it the right way. But that fear was literally would stop me in my tracks before I figured out my own solutions to it. I don't know if there's anything worthwhile here, but... That, yeah, some I of mean, these fears think, that are hard to put a finger on of how you're going to solve that for the person might be you know, interesting to dive into a little bit.
0: I, I think mortality is an incredible motivation tool. Yeah. So I think when it comes to the mortality question, um, <laughs> I, I think you've dealt with that very... Very well, thank you. Um, clearly, it's motivating you. You're using it powerfully. You know, this is why there's the exercises of, hey, imagine your funeral. Right. What do people say about you? Know this is this is a this is used by a lot of coaches sure. as a motivational exercise. Yeah. And and you've taken that on and, and you've made your own version mm. of it. Um, where these fears are more concerning, I think, is is when people aren't even aware that the fear is there. Yeah. So as I say, they're hitting the same amount of money. Over and over again. Yeah. They're finding the relationship. They they keep finding the same type of woman with the same issue. The toxic yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. And it's just toxic repetitive relationships pattern. over and over again. And it, it, yeah, it's anywhere you're seeing a repetitive pattern that if you looked at it from the outside, you'd be able to give better advice to somebody right. else. So anytime, any part of your life, you'd be like, hey, yeah, well, you know, if this was my friend doing this, I'd tell him to do X, Y, and Z, but you're not doing X, Y, and Z. Um, That's where there's a subconscious program running because there's something overtaking the rational mind the logical mind So really this kind of work, you know minds high performance But obviously not everyone who needs this kind of work as a high performer is just looking for anywhere Where the most logical thing isn't the behavior that's being followed and and you would understand that from the outside. Yeah,
1: what is something, Elliot, that's that the average person can start doing, like right away, to to start moving forward in life? I mean, I know you got an app that, um, yeah. you know, you have different levels in your own coaching program. Maybe you speak to why coaching is important. What is someone that's not on a, a big budget can start doing right now to start advancing their position in life? Some practical advice, if you will. So, so we've got an app, primed mind. Primed uh, mind. Okay primed mind yep you can download
0: that for free and then the, there are upgrades but there's about 40 audios that are just for free yeah and you can start working with with hypnotherapy utilizing that amazing we then also have coaching from from low ticket to high ticket um doing this sort of hypnotherapy work we have a number of coaches and that's if you go to elliotrow.com and click for apply we can find someone for you there but really the key thing is this um you know, have a look at that list. So actually spend some time building that list out that I described earlier. That's good. The, what, what are the top performers doing? And, and then have an idea of how much money that's costing you. Um, and if it's costing you a lot of money, find a coach. It doesn't have to be one of my coaches, but find someone who's gonna help you get through those issues. Yes. Um, because, it, you know, oftentimes, you know, people will be reaching out to me and it's quite clear they're literally costing themselves millions of dollars sure. a year. And then they're choosing to not work with a coach to help fix it and faster. Would, and it's actually really expensive to not fix those problems. So I would, true. Add,
2: I would <laughs> add a dimension to your recommendation. Yeah. I think it, it seems like it could apply just to have someone put down their ideal as a man or woman. Life. Right? Yeah. Like, so you could put, what's my ideal function as a father? And what are the top 10 things I would imagine a great father would be doing? Should be doing. And you'll see three that you're not doing. And is that not? I mean, that's
0: a wonderful exercise Exactly yeah, you know what to do exercise, yeah. and you can do it as a husband. Yeah. Yes. What am I? What would the best husband in the world be doing? Sure. Where are the ticks and the crosses? This isn't a lack of knowledge. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I find this is where it's. it's you, know? you say people know what to do, and I and I agree. Most people have a general sense of what needs to be done, and this is a great example of how someone can prove it to themselves when they just write down what they know mm-hmm. they ought to be doing, but. but I think this is where spending money is actually one of the most beneficial uses of investment dollars on planet Earth, is putting making investment in yourself because the act of the transaction alone puts pressure on you to perform. It acts as an accountability measure unlike any other type of accountability in the world from my perspective. Yeah. I spent big money on, on bringing in, 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 in coaching and it was the transaction that got me to move far more than it was the coach, no offense to some of the best coaches in the world that I've hired, it was the transaction that if I'm gonna put money on it, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. it I just happen. spent a quarter million dollars on six meetings. Like, that's big money. <laughs> like, you know, six hours, like that kind of pressure that it put on me to find the ROI. And ROI became really it, something that was very clear. The power of ROI when you invest in yourself, it literally shows up in minutes. But that's the accountability that I think people really need. But they're so scared to write the checks to put money on themselves. They won't bet on themselves, essentially what it is. But then it is important to bring the right person in alignment with what you want to do. Uh, Undeniable. But that part right there may be one of these secret, like little secrets to movement in life is that people that may play big, they write checks, they make investments. Even, I'm not saying you spend your last dollar, but they make investments in themselves first.
0: And you'd carry that investment forward. You know, if you invest in yourself, if you level yourself up, you take that forward for the rest of your 100%. life. 100%. Never um, ends. So so it's something, I mean, obviously, I'm heavily biased towards mindset. Me situation. too. You know, I believe, <laughs> you know, I it, it's one of these things where, you know, if you don't know what to do, get yourself a strategic or a business coach. Sure. If you know what to do and you can't mindset. do it, find a mindset, mindset coach, coach. And, you know, And if you're just saying, hey, why would I invest? You know, almost everyone, well, everyone obviously that I'm working with, everyone's using a coach because I'm a coach. But just in general, successful people have a team. You know, I have personal trainers, masseuses, therapists, coaches. I mean- I, I have this list of this team around <laughs> me, helping me do the things that I do in life, that's Right, and everyone I know who's a high performer has some version of
1: this. I use Tom Brady a lot in as my examples to people. I'm like, if Tom Brady, one of the best quarterbacks that's ever lived, needs a quarterback coach, what makes yeah. you think you're so arrogant that you don't need a mindset coach, or yeah. someone to help you perform better? Like, That's the best quarterback in the world. You think that fat coach right there of his is better than him at quarterbacking, but yet he's still high. Hires that person. My point is, is it's clear that who the coach should be in that scenario from a person that doesn't understand the, the power of accountability, the power of seeing blind spots, of pushing you with the uncomfortable, of getting you to act when you don't necessarily feel like it, or seeing things that you just can't see because you have tunnel vision. There's just so many different aspects, but if Tom Brady can use a coach, and here's what's interesting about Tom Brady: this is a guy that has a stretching coach, a breathing coach, a yoga coach, a a, yeah. a strength core coach, an arm coach. Like every level of life, he's perfecting at the highest levels. I mean, he literally has someone count every calorie, look at every single piece of food that goes in his body, and so I use that a lot. If if Tom, if it's not too good for Tom Brady, then what makes it you think it's too or too good for it? You know.
0: Yeah. It is completely accurate. I mean, it's it's a shortcut. It um, is a shortcut, you know, and and the more responsibility you can pass to others. Yeah. Like my personal trainer turns up at my house five days a week. I'm gonna do gonna my do workout. It.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't I to it, you know. to I would add one last element that I think is, is yep. crucial is I really understand the value of proximity. I'm a master mm-hmm. at now in my life, really learning how to leverage proximity. I do it with heart, soul, and conviction. There's always a real why and a message beneath the surface. I, I, I use it as a, as, a, as a tool and a resource, but it's my heart. I, you know what I mean? It's, it's real. It's, I'm vulnerable with it. Like I, I use it with passion and purpose. But I am very aware of the power of proximity. And that literally is another way to fast forward things in your life. Because it brings you to different relationships. It, ter- it takes eyeballs that are, are scattered around. And it all of a sudden focuses on you on you. And what you do with that's important. So you better have a powerful wire mission. If you're going to get the attention, you better then be able to use it to actually leave a, a real valuable mark and do something with it. But a lot of people just don't understand all the different ways to really master coaching and get it to get you to have so much momentum in your life, like so much fast forward, like Energy that's always going one direction. That even when you fail, you're failing so far forward. Like failures are actually your biggest gifts when you can do it with a mindset coach like you, because everything is a win. There's silver linings in everything, yeah. and I just love this conversation. I know we're coming up on on a hard stop here, but trying to just put so much juice into this audience
2: out here, Elliot. Um, what else, Matt? I know that we got a few minutes left. I don't want to hog the end here. Yeah, the question I had was. Uh Obviously, as a mindset and performance coach, you're doing deep, particularized hypnotherapy or otherwise work with someone. As a coach yourself, do you also find value in like a deep mentor relationship? Do you have people who who know all the ifs, ands, and buts of your life that you disclose your private matters to? How them? close do you get with them? Is that the question?
0: So, so I have, oh, uh, with with my own coaches? You yeah, mean? yeah, or like or the own, own.
2: Be, so, beyond hypnotherapy, yeah.
0: Beyond hypnotherapy. Yeah, so I'll, I have a number of coaches um, and mentors that, that I utilize. So I, I, I really feel it's one of those things with coaches. Your coaches should have coaches. Yeah. And if they don't, there's a congruence issue. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm selling this because I believe – I can impact people, and I can help their life because I can give a third-party perspective. So, in all cases, um, hmm. you know, I have my own business coach, my own therapist, my own personal trainers, etc., yeah. etc. Et you know, I even do energy work. Yeah, you know, like there's all sorts that I have I have lined up. <laughs> Um, because it's so powerful to have this third-party perspective, none of us can see our blind spots. Yeah. And if someone tells you, "Hey, I'm the finished product. Hmm. I don't need anyone to help Tom me," Brady. as you say, Tom Brady. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Like I see, I see it as a red flag. If somebody's saying, "I don't need help anymore," yeah. I, I question if they're, still evol- if, the, if they're still evolving. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe at some stage in my career, I'm going to say, "Hey, I don't need to evolve yeah. anymore. I'm yeah. done." But I, yes. I just I see that as a big concern. Um, so, yeah, I, I just Let see me, as just this is personal growth, and all of us can always use an outside ear.
1: We've we've done some really powerful interviews, and I've and I've really now scavengered the planet and I'm using my time effectively to get get this one question out there many different times over to so many different people. And it always comes back to the same thing. The people that I admire most that have big footprints and a lot of influence, which is a lot of impact in the world that are doing things that I want to be doing when it comes right down to it, like always, in the top three worst-case scenario, top five things that advice they would give, it's it's peer groups, mentorship, and coaching. It's all three, and they are different. You know, we got we we got a really clear distinction on our last podcast yeah. or a few back with was it Pace Patasky. Morby, Stephen Oh, yeah. Steve Petaski, a, yeah. a, 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 a famous uh, a developer. Uh, but he's his big distinction between the three of having a peer group, having a coach and a mentor which you know he really described the difference but it really is that he classifies that all the same but yeah. one of the most important things in, on planet earth that a human can possibly do is to put themselves in that environment. Yeah. You have to be willing to pay the ticket price to get there and that's where people flop out they want everything for free and I would challenge people that if it was for free you wouldn't expense. leverage it correctly, yeah. you wouldn't show up, you wouldn't do anything it's the money that's just as important as the person because you had to work hard for it and you had to put some skin in the game. Once you have blood in, you can get blood out, baby. Yeah. Right? (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. It's it's where the amplification comes from. It's so true. There there has to be an investment for it to multiply. Yeah. um,
1: hundred percent. The process. Elliot, I love you, brother. I think you are an absolute legend in your space. I want to drive as many people and eyeballs to this as we can. We're going to build some beautiful content. We definitely got to come back to you and do this again. Maybe we can have you in person out here to Coeur to our mastermind group that we awesome. do. I would love yeah. him as a that guest for this group out here in Coeur d'Alene. So well, Elliot, when let's connect again and we'll get you out here to Coeur d'Alene. It's literally an hour, an hour flight from where you're at. Um, <clears throat> easy game. Easy. <laughs> It'll be cool. So we'll definitely connect. But Elliot, I want to make sure we take you to it's ElliotRoad.com, uh, Correct.
0: Yep, so dot Um as I say you can find the coaching coaching stuff there, just apply. We've got coaches for everyone, different price ranges. Amazing. And then primedmind.com or just Mind or you know app store, android, download it, try it for it's. you can try it for free.
2: So, awesome. Um, you know, and to try it. I'll just say one of the most voice. What's that? one of the most refreshing things about you is how uh, you don't glamorize your craft. You're like this is just really straightforward. Just apply the tool. It's what it is, and so many people yeah. in your space like glamorize what they're doing. I really love how straightforward and frank. I can see how you win the trust of high performing people because you're not. There's no sn- oil or snake or nothing nope. special here. It's just deep work.
0: Is it just is what it, it is? No oh, snake oil, well, so baby. I really, I really appreciate. I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, I did a, I did a talk last week and. Um, the Feedback I got was like, Hey, it, it looked like you just got on stage and weren't trying to public speak, you were just having a conversation yeah. with yeah, us. It's like, good. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, I mean, it was it <laughs> <draws> me. <laughs> you're trustworthy, yeah. it draws me to you yeah. instantly. I'm like, it, it, uh, you're a straight shooter, so thank you for your time.
1: I can't wait to have you yeah. out here, Ellie. Thank Appreciate you, bro. we'll you guys. talk to you soon, my man.
2: All right, catch Thanks, you soon. Ellie. Cheers, bye bye. See you, brother. So we still have to do the outro. Hold on, real oh, quick. Elliot, do we need him? Do Hague we need
1: tight.
0: him? Do Do you need me to stay for yeah, the Two uploading yeah. thing?
1: Yeah. Do we need him to stay yeah. for the uploading? I'm gonna get you here. Yeah. Woo woo! All right, here. You see this, everyone? Do you want to hit Elliot stop Rowe Rowe recording? recording?
2: Elliot. Rowe. Shouldn't Elliot Rowe. we hit stop recording? So that's uploads. for uh, Instagram. Do the
1: outro first. What's that? Okay. So hey, if you guys enjoyed that and you want a lot more of this content. <laughs> Go follow, like, and subscribe, man on a mission. You can find us wherever things are streamed. Check you next time. Is that good? Yeah, I like it when I'm weird.
2: Okay, so can we hit stop record and then? How do uh, I hit it?
1: Elliot's got to go. So
0: yeah, if on we because I just want to make sure we don't lose my right side. I... Here, hold on. Elliot's He's gonna log go.
1: us out, Elliot, and then uh, you can run if you need to jump on a. Yeah,